Welcome back to Model Parenting Podcast. I am Farah. And I'm still David. So the rest of our time in season one, we're going to focus on parenting philosophies and strategies for what we've done in our model-driven environment. And we just left off with um, GREAT, the acronym GREAT for Goals, Responsibilities, Effort, Attitude, and Teachability. And today we are moving on to um, outgrowing your kids. All right. And this, this concept really, I don't know if Farrah would take credit for it, but I'm going to say that she is kind of the impetus of this um, idea of outgrowing our kids. Of outgrowing something? My yeah. So self? I don't quit growing a long time. No, I'm just kidding. You, you did quit growing a long time ago. So, um, But um, just the idea of, of studying kids and figuring out where they're at, um, one of the... Um, I guess, conflict moments we had in our house. Um, Dax and Cole had some conflict going on. And I don't know, they were probably six and eight. Um, it was younger. And this idea came to me that, that they had started, they had spent most of their life kind of on the same level maturity-wise. They were both kind of into the same things. They would play the same things. They could play together. Their development stages were, were aligned pretty well. But in this particular moment, Dax had taken a spike in his maturity. Huge spurt, yes. And, and so Fair and I, again, we're, we're not the smartest people on the planet. Um, we were, were talking about this, and I literally got a piece of paper, and I drew like an X and Y axis. I'm a math person, and I love math. Um, and so I drew this X and Y axis, and then I drew this curve on it. I was, I was talking to Farah. I'm like Dax is Dax is here, but Cole's still here. So that their their gap on their maturity curve is really what's causing that conflict. So we've got to start to help massage them and help them understand that they're in different places. And we we actually started showing the kids this. I mean, they were old enough to understand it. Right. And um, the space down here was closer together, and the space over here was farther apart. They could totally pick up on that. Right. So there is some difference in um, maturity levels as your kids grow. And if we, the, the kind of back-end recipient of this is Colton because there would be times that we led Dax through some things and we taught him through some things and, and um, we had been through a season of, of teaching and training and really working on some stuff with Dax. And then Cole gets into that and we're like, oh my gosh, you should already know all this because we felt we felt like he was – around for all those conversations, we had just done it. So Cole kind of got the downside of this maturity curve because Dax went through things first. We kind of felt like Cole should know it too. But Cole wasn't mature enough, and Cole hadn't gotten to that place where he could understand it, and we hadn't taught him. So um, we had to develop some patience in having to teach things multiple times. And I know uh, parents, if you've got multiple kids that are close in age together, um, you can feel that tension that the second or the third kid probably gets a less patient you than maybe the first one did. I don't know. Maybe it's backwards. Maybe they. Well, and as I've gotten older, I forget who I taught what. Right. Right. So I don't, <laughs> I, I can't clearly articulate and tell you exactly who's doing what, and who's got what. So, um, but this maturity curve is one of those things that we use to understand our kids. Now, there is no scientific basis for this. I have never found a book. This is not in any child development textbook I've ever looked at. No, this is literally my brain trying to reconcile my kids moving through life at different paces because they are different ages and different things. So even even 
one kid, like Dax came out as, as a very old soul. He was very mature, and he hung out with a lot of teenagers and adults, and, and so he has always been a little older and more mature, even ahead of his peers, and Cole is more in line with his peers, so their, their maturity curve has been completely different. I think they're in a pretty good place right now. Uh, Maturity-wise, Dax has hit some maturity things and Cole's growing into him. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting, the different levels. But um, as you're talking to and dealing with your kids, um, understanding that they are maturing at different rates is important. So, um, but as, as you're looking at their maturing and their growth, because kids are growth, we as parents look at kids' growth as dynamic, that they're growing a lot. We can see almost day to day. Like Corwin walked out today. I came home for lunch. <laughs> she walked out and said, oh, I'm like, oh, gosh, she got taller. She looked taller. Like we can see those kind of day to day increments and we can see their maturity developing and we see um, that change over time in each one of our kids. And, and it's very real to us. And we see, wow, they're growing so much, particularly when they're infants. And we see them growing and, and start talking and start walking and start doing things on their own, start being able to feed themselves. We see those big milestones being achieved, and we see their growth as dynamic. At some point, we as parents kind of shut it off, and we say, well, they're not really growing anymore. And I don't think that's accurate as as a parent um, because I think we are still growing. We'll get into some of that in a minute. Um, parents, we do feel like we are static. We feel like we are who we are. We believe that we're grown. We're grown. We have finished growing. <laughs> How many times do you tell us I'm a grown man? I tell you a lot. <laughs> and usually I say I'm a grown person. Oh, sorry. I'm a grown person. I'm yes. A grown person. I'm a grown person. I'm a grown person. That would be when I'm trying to mother him. Right. I do get mothered <laughs> by my, my, my wife here. So, um, But parents, we feel static. <laughs> like we are the same day in, day out, that we are the rock of Gibraltar, that we don't experience change anymore. Now, it is true that we experience less change over time to some degree. Well, but it's also, I, I wouldn't even say it's less. It's just internal. It so is it's internal. invisible. Right. To, you know. Right. So, but we also don't perceive the changes we make. But stop and think for a minute. Are you the same person you were a year ago? No. Most people listening to this podcast are going to have to answer that and probably say no. You've grown. Things Things have changed. If Hopefully, this podcast has moved you from one point to another, and however many months you've been listening to this, you can say, no, I'm, I'm a different parent today than I was three months ago or two months ago, whatever that was, that we are dynamic as well. We change and grow. We just don't see the physical uh, manifestations of that as much anymore as we do in our kids. Um, but physical growth is not the only type of growth. So we are still on that maturity curve somewhere just like our kids are. Now, hopefully we're ahead of our kids in that maturity curve. Um, there will be times that Farah probably thinks I am not <laughs> ahead of my teenage boys. Sorry, I don't mean to leave, laugh so hard. But. On the maturity curve. Um, but we are still changing and growing, and I think – when we don't realize and acknowledge that, I think some of the conflict we have with our kids falls out of that because we feel like well, we're the same. We're, we're doing the same thing we were doing two months ago, and they've changed. They're different. And we put a lot of that onus of um, 
conflict on them being in the wrong or them being in a growth stage or a, a mood or a, um, this happens a lot with teenagers that they're going through some hormonal or emotional things and that kind of stuff. Um, but our encouragement to you is going to be to outgrow your kids and get ahead of those things. But do that by starting to recognize that you are growing and changing as a person. Your experiences with your second kid will be different than your experiences with your first kid because you have more experience as a parent. You want to say and, something? And with that growth, with that maturity that that comes in us, hopefully, like some of what we would use with Dax on this would be like, you can do this now, but he can't do that, and he still wants to be with you. So as the the older one, you have to come back down and play this a little bit, just a little bit with him, even though we know you're bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And we have to do that same thing for us. We have to be the one to come back down and meet them to be to be that to to have that closeness because they cannot come up to wherever we are in our change. Right. They they can't automatically be an adult. No. Their brains can't function at that. But our brains can come down. And we can engage them at their level. Um, but that's part of outgrowing your kids. And you've got to recognize where they are on that curve to where you can meet them where they are. Exactly. Now, the goal, obviously, is we want to mature our kids. We want to help them grow and become responsible and all those kind of things. Um, I've had several conversations with parents about... They want their kids to sort the laundry and put it up and, and perfectly fold it and do all these kind of things. And take out the trash. And take out the ask. trash without having to ask all those kind of things. And, and one of the greatest gifts FAIR has given me is understanding from a brain development standpoint that they can't do all those things when they're four. But even <laughs> as they learn to do those things, it also depends on the time of day. So where they can do something on a Saturday when they're perfectly rested, just like he talked about with that effort in the last episode, where their brains are functioning at full capacity, they can do at full capacity. And, yes, you can say, okay, they can do this. Mm -hmm. Developmentally, energetically, they can do this. But for them to do it at the end of a day when they have restrained themselves and listened to a teacher all day long to come home and do that is a totally different ask. Mm -hmm. It's a totally different challenge and it's a totally different task so but that's one of the areas that Farah has helped me grow is understanding what their brains are capable of now Farah is incredibly intelligent and her speech therapy background has aided some of that but I think she has gone out and found those resources these are things that I've outgrown our kids in this right. is not something they taught me no she her her background has helped her understand some of this but she's gone out and found this and, and developed some of her thoughts because of she wanted to understand it because of this maturity curve idea. She wanted to, to see what they were capable of. So that information is out there, and Fair has linked to it in one of our previous episodes. I don't know if it's a study of your kids or... It was study of your kids, but I'll put it in this one. We, can put, it, we can put it back in the notes for this one so you can grab it. Um, but the uh, idea of outgrowing your kids, you, you as the parent bear the responsibility to... Um, find those places that you can connect with them and create opportunities for relationship and growth. So they're not going to grow because you constantly tell them to grow. So <laughs> that's like telling a plant to grow. That's exactly what it's like. You have a flower that you're trying and you just tell it every day, grow, 
grow. You should grow better. <laughs> that that's not going to work. You're you're going to have to grow as a person to be responsible to water it, to put it in sun, to make sure that it's got what it needs. You've got to grow to study and, it and, and get see. better to help the plant grow. And it's the same thing with your kids. You have to grow and study and learn. Just because we're not in Farrah talked about it in studying your kids, get a get a PhD in your kid. Um, but also get a PhD in the development of your kid and the stages of your kid. Um, one of the reasons that we encourage parents to do this is because most kids grow with their friends. Um, Charlie Tremendous Jones wrote a book, Life is Tremendous. Farrah doesn't like the book. Um, I like the book. But I like what Charlie Tremendous Jones says. He says... Um, the only difference between who you are now and who you'll be in five years are the books you read and the people you hang around. So generally through high school, um, middle school, high school, kids become like their friends. They have the greatest influence on them. Um, and unfortunately, most of the time, and we found this to be true with boys, I can't say it with girls yet because we haven't had the experience with Corwin, but typically with our boys, the dumbest one always leads. So... I don't mean that to be mean or rude, but in the group, typically the person who takes in the least amount of information and processes the information is generally the one that makes the decision to what the group is going to do. And I have seen this play out. Um, I, I bumped into a high school friend uh, a couple, maybe a month or so ago, two months ago, and made that statement that the dumbest one always leads. And they looked at each other like, exactly, because they were literally in the middle of their, their son was planning something with his friends and the dumbest kid in the group made the plan and it was a really terrible plan. But he made the plan faster because he was going with less information and so then everybody followed him. Right. So I don't mean <laughs> that to be rude and say that that person, that person is probably a very intelligent kid, but... He didn't have all the information. They don't take all the information in. They don't process all the information. Um, so if you are not outgrowing your kids and, and getting ahead of them and understanding where they're going then their decision-making processes are going to happen inside of their friend group and the dumbest one's going to lead. And generally, teenagers, their IQs go down when they get together. They don't go up. They make worse decisions as a group than they do as an individual. Um, I, I think you're going to see some bad decisions made with your kids if you're not growing ahead of them and helping them process information and say, okay, hey, your brain can't process this right now. So let me give you, okay, here's this, this, and this. And you give them three or four factors that can influence. Oh, yeah, that. okay, that would be better. Yeah, one we can the, do that. One of the greatest things that David does is ask questions. So what are you going to do of this? And what are you going to do of that? And what are you going to do of this? And they have to answer those questions. And he walks with them through the process, which is a gift that he has. Um, and I believe that one parent <laughs> out of both usually has that gifting. So outgrowing your kids, the, the main impetus in trying to outgrow your kids is to stay ahead of them on this maturity curve to help them and guide them through their decision-making processes and to build that relationship with them that you have influence. Um, the sooner that you can start this, so if your kids are four, five, six, and you're staying ahead of them on their maturity curve and you know what their brains are capable of and the decision, the level of decisions they can make, um, the better you're going to be able to influence those, not by telling them what to do, but by working with them to teach them how to make good decisions in their processes. 
this is a heart thing that's connected to an academic thing, but when they're little like that and you're reading a book with them, if you can say, what do you think is going to happen, and they build that prediction skill, that is going to help them in this area later on. But it's also going to, which I didn't realize this until recently, build trust in you because there's there's going to be a time when they can't predict it. Like you ask them, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to be like, I don't know. And you say, well, I think this is going to happen. And then you turn the page, and that actually happens. And then it's like, oh, mom can see the future. <laughs> Like, so there's trust that is built there um, that's outside just the academic skill of predicting what's coming next in the story. Right. But being able to talk to your kids and understand and be the mature adult, a a lot of parents have a, um, there's a disconnect because kids speak emotional language and parents speak a logical language. And I think we've talked about this before. It's literally like you're talking two different languages. But if you as the parent can outgrow your kid and you can you can revert back and put these in emotional terms and pull them to logic, it's going to help their brain develop and move that process as well. Um, I will say, particularly about Dax at this point, Dax doesn't make very many, if any, emotional decisions as an 18-year-old kid. Most of what he does is based in logic. And he talks through decisions before he makes them generally with us. And we don't find ourselves directing his decisions as much anymore as we do just affirming or asking a couple of questions that help him process to get to the place that he wants to make the decision. Um, so outgrowing your kids, the this maturity curve idea, again, I wish I had a, a resource I could point you to and say, okay, hey, this shows you where they're at on there's not that resource out there. I, I don't know how to make it. Um, their development phases is probably the closest you could get to it. And Farrell will put those resources in the show notes. But um, understanding that they are growing on a curve and there will be spikes and balances and f- plateaus and all those kind of things, just like in a, in a mathematical function, they are going to grow at different rates. And you staying ahead of that is important. And understanding where those where those gaps are that cause friction um, and not blaming it all on them, realizing that you're both growing. I will say this is a place where a lot of families get stuck in those things. I know we talked about in this studying your kids. If you get too camped out in one section, you don't leave enough room for growth. So what you may call um, a certain temperament characteristic or something may be a developmental stage. It may not be an actual temperament characteristic of that child, which is why a lot of those little quizzes and tests that point those things out say that it's better to wait until a child is older because you can see a quality in a child that's developmental and you stick them in that box and you will forever say they are this or they are that when they were only that for a short amount of their time. But that's also why we say kids don't go in boxes. That's right. Which is a previous episode if you haven't heard that. Um, you can go back and listen to that episode. So, all right. So, the maturity curve. Parents uh, don't go in boxes either. Parents don't go in boxes growing. either. We're still growing. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, outgrowing your kids. Starting point is understanding that they're on a maturity curve. You're on a maturity curve. The gap between the maturity curve is where a lot of conflict comes in. The more you can close that gap, the less conflict you're going to have. And just be aware of it. So, it just being aware of difference. it helps. Um, second kind of back-end part of this is um, – Parents have to be the pursuers of our kids. 
Um, and this is something that Farron and I have been talking about a lot recently um, in just different avenues and areas, but it, it's on the onus of the parent to pursue the child. And, and the reason I say that, again, we wanted to model our parenting after the way God parents us. We said that in one of our earlier episodes. And God throughout Scripture is always the pursuer. He always pursues us in every facet, regardless of where we go, God pursues us. So um, I think we need to model that to our kids as well and be the pursuer of that relationship. So um, we've said multiple times and used a bunch of different movies, um, but the movie several years ago, Finding Nemo, I don't know if this crowd, if y'all have even seen it. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch Finding Nemo. That's your activity. Get Finding Nemo and watch it with your kids. Um, But there's one scene in there where... Um, Nemo, who is the, the child fish, um, is in a fish tank in a dentist office and, um, this seagull flies in and he's like, Oh, Hey, are you Nemo? Because I met your dad, your dad's looking for you. And he's like, no, it can't be my dad. And he goes, no, 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 it's totally your dad. And he starts going into great detail about how the story of this father is pursuing his son. Like it is. Uh, fighting through sharks and, and riding turtles. I mean, it's this amazing, epic quest. And the reaction that Nemo has to hearing the um, lengths his father is going to to find him and come pursue him changes Nemo. And it adds confidence to him, and he's able to go and do things to, to help get him out of the fish tank they need to get out of because they're in danger in the fish tank or whatever. You can watch the movie and get the, the plot of it. But the point is that hearing that story, seeing that they are being pursued as a child changes that child. Having that pursuit and being pursued by your parent um, instills confidence and belief in that kid about who they are and the value they hold. So parents need to be the pursuer of those, of your children. Um, And I think a scriptural context of this, and Farron and I talked about it before we recorded this episode, um, is the story of the prodigal son. And we're, we're not going to read it, but um, the prodigal son comes to the dad and says, hey, I want my inheritance. I'm, I'm sick of living around this place. Bust out of here. Um, and his dad gives it to him. And he goes and spends all of his money. And essentially what the kid is saying to his dad is, hey, I wish you were dead so I could have all your money. <laughs> he gets his money. He goes. He spends it all in wild living and craziness. And, and he ends up working um, in a pig farm, um, and he's like, dude, my dad's servants are, they're way better treated than I am. I'm just going to go back. I don't need to be a son anymore. And he practices his whole speech while he's walking back. Um, he says, I don't need to be a son anymore. I'm just going to be one of his servants. If he'll just hire me and let me have a job, I'm going to live better than I am right now. So he busts out and he heads back. Um, and when he comes back, his dad is standing like he's waiting, he's looking, he's anticipating that he's coming back. And Farron and I were talking about this. And I'm like, well, the the father didn't pursue him. He didn't go out after him. And he didn't. But we prayed. We but, thought, and then we prayed. <laughs> we thought and prayed. And um, I, I think there's a, a good lesson to be learned that pursuing your kid doesn't mean always going into the mess with them. It doesn't mean that you chase them and that you helicopter parent them. It it means that you are there and you let them know that you are there and you are available and you are ready for them whenever they need to come home. 
there will be things that your kids get into that you can't get into, that you just can't, that you've got to say, I, I can't walk in there with you, but I'm going to be right here. When you're ready to turn and come back, I'm right here. And I think that's what God models for us. Our pursuit isn't always going with them, but it is always loving them and encouraging them and praying for them that they are returned, that they come back, and that we wait expectantly, knowing that God is going to fulfill what he has promised in their life to come back. Now, I, I don't know um, as a parent um, that it's going, I can't tell you it's going to be easy to let your kids walk through those moments. I'm sure it wasn't easy for this dad to let his son go and squander all of their family's wealth. But I can tell you that the reconnection and the relationship that they had when he came back was different because the dad never gave up on the son. He was the pursuer. He just pursued a different way than going in with them and chasing after them. Do you have anything you want to add to that? I mean, just as I looked at it, I don't think that. Um, I think I think the father was very wise in what he gave him, too. I don't think that he gave him everything. I think he gave him just enough, and I think that's part of pursuing is is not giving them everything they want, but having having enough in reserve for when they do um, and hoping and expecting, I don't, I just, I, I want to make sure that we're clear that it's not about manipulating them. It's not about chasing them. And it's not about, it's just about reminding them that you love them and regularly. Like, and the, the growth aspect of pursuing our kids is being far enough ahead of them spiritually and having the wisdom and learning from other people where we can go and how we can help and where we can't. And say, being able to have the wisdom to discern the difference because there, there are times people in our lives, I, I know their parents have rescued them out of things that God wasn't rescuing them yet. That the parent took it on themselves to say, I've got to get my kid out of this. But the kid didn't find the peace or the grace that they needed to in that moment, and they went back to it. Um, so growing ahead of them and being un understanding how to love your kid the way that God loves your kid and letting your kid move into things that aren't, isn't the best decision for them, but maintaining that relationship as best you can through it. Um, now, that's more as your kids get older and as your kids move into college and even married age, a, a lot of those things, you're, you'll see some of those come up then. Um, again, go back to one of the first episodes. You're going to work hard as a parent. Um, just you get to pick when you're going to work. If you put in a lot of work in the relationship and the effort um, to develop things in your kid as a, as a young child, then you won't run into as many of those things as they're older. Um so you are going to work really hard as a parent. You just get to pick when that time frame comes up. But so. there's there's effort through the whole lifespan, and I think that was one of the things that I learned most from my patients um, in the nursing home was there were some parents that were, yes, everybody there was hurting every day. There was They were hurting. They were in pain every day. <laughs> um, some of them were super confused, but – there were certain ones of them that stood out to me because they were still reaching out. Mm. 
even from there. They were still engaging. They were still thinking about them. There were others who were manipulating, and mm-hmm. they were guilt-tripping, and they were, why haven't you come to see me, and why haven't you? But there were a lot that were writing notes just to say, yeah, I just love you. About you. Yeah. you know, um, And I want to be like the ones that were reaching out and still parenting despite their own ailments. Right. Parenting and outgrowing your kids doesn't, there's no age limit on that. Just because you can't go see them physically because you can't drive anymore or whatever doesn't mean you can't still pursue. Right. So um, last thing in this outgrowing your kids, um, and we'll wrap up this episode, is, um, and and we have told many a parent this um, through working with teenagers, um, don't take what they're doing personally. You've got to grow to a place as a parent, maturity-wise, that you understand that everything they do is not intended to hurt you. <laughs> that sometimes kids just make bad decisions. That sometimes the dumbest one led and they all went to do something that was really stupid. It's not intended to hurt you. That's not, it's they didn't understand where they were on the maturity curve. They didn't have the tools necessary to make the good decision. The majority of the time, I can promise you your child's intent is not to hurt your feelings most of the time they weren't even thinking about you but that wasn't to hurt you either (laughs) right um (laughs) like but but we have to grow to understand that it's not about us right that's what we started with it's not about you it's not about you it's it's about your kid and um again god models this too god doesn't get offended when i mess up and step out of line and do things that don't honor him it hurts and it grieves his heart, but he doesn't get offended and say, well, I'm not going to help you because you hurt my feet. He, he hurts for us. He does not hurt like. Right. He knows that my intent was not to hurt his feelings, that I'm a selfish person who doesn't make good decisions <laughs> sometimes. And the grace of God covers that. And, and Christ has is, is paid for those things. But um, ultimately, as a parent, we've got to grow to a place where we are emotionally stable enough that we can take a step back and say, our kid didn't mean to hurt our feelings. How can we restore and help and grow? Um, So it's a significant place of growth to be able to do that. Um, But that's the the ideas and the content on outgrowing your kids. Again, it's just kind of a philosophical thing of how our model and and our values have helped do that. as we have focused on like the value of each other, um, we've been able to understand this maturity curve and, and invest time in it. We've understood that we want to pursue our kids because we value them um, and that we don't take things personally when they mess up because we know that they value us. Ultimately, we know they value us. So they weren't trying to hurt our feelings. They just made a bad decision. So um, our values drive a lot of this. And as you're building your values, hopefully this is going to to kind of help shape some of those ideas and thoughts of, of what your words may look like. So but I think Farrah's got a, do you have an activity and a resource for this episode? My activity was to grow something together. And the first thing that I thought of was, do you remember that starfish? The boys did it and then Corwin did it. And it like starts out like it's super tiny. Yep. It's one of those gimmicky things. Mm-hmm. But they love it. They love it. Put it in that water water and watch it grow. Like it's just they can see it faster. It grows faster. Slimy, goofy. The starfish wasn't. It was just kind of foamy. Once it dried out, you could take it out and and it was fine. It Uh, wasn't slimy. Little dinosaurs and stuff were always slimy. Goofy. Yeah. Yeah. They were gross. Yeah. But anyway, grow something. It can be 
Chia Pet. That's what you need to go. Oh. Chia Pet. Okay. I okay. love Chia Pets. Okay. A Chia Pet would be great. Something that they can see grow fast. Chia. Plants grow a little bit slower, but growing plants in a container, like a tree or something like that, that you have to take out of its pot and repot and re- as it gets bigger because it, it grows and it changes just to remind yourself that you as the parent are growing too. Um, but I think I think life is tremendous. We can throw that out there as a book to read. All right. Charlie Tremendous Jones. Charlie Tremendous Jones, Life is Tremendous. Um, that can be our resource. I don't know He doesn't actually say that. Oh, I know what I had for the, the resource. That's oh. He said that in a talk. Life is Tremendous about, is about uh, the positive attitude of life well is Well, then tremendous. never mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the resource that I did have, I've already used it before, but I use it to see how how the kids are growing, <laughs> and, and me too, is those connection quizzes in keeping the good in your boy and keeping the little in your girl, those connection quizzes at the front that just ask, how connected are you? Like, And you can see where those gaps in your your growth are um if you're regularly taking those okay all right well that's what we got on outgrowing your kids um we are headed fast towards the end of season one uh we've got four or five more episodes we're going to record um so if you can uh if you've got any thoughts or ideas on maybe how you would like to participate in season two and get interviewed or or ask questions um, or ask questions and, and us respond to questions on what you're doing with content feel free to shoot those to us in a text or email um we do enjoy getting uh feedback from you guys texts and emails and stuff it's it's fun to read the comments and the way you're interacting with stuff so those are uh, encouraging to us um but if any of those ideas for season two kind of pop in your head on how you want to uh, maybe participate in that, let us know. Uh, the email again is modelparentingpodcast at gmail.com, or you can text me or fair if you've got our numbers. Uh, you know who we are. So anyway, great talking to you guys. Um, hopefully you got something out of that episode, and we will catch you on the next one.